is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have two guests, uh, authors of a new book that just came out, Dining with the Saints, A Sinner's Guide to a Righteous Feast. So special welcome to you, Father Leo Padalinghug and Father and <laughs> Father Michael Foley. No, Michael Foley. <laughs> welcome today. Thank you. Thank you. So Father Leo is an award-winning chef, author, popular radio and TV host, founding of Plating Grace, founder of Plating Grace. Uh, uh, just a, a great ministry for families to uh, support families, have closer relationships, and how to connect food with growing in uh, in your body and soul. And and uh, Michael, author of three best-selling liturgical uh, cocktail books. I see your books at, at people's homes: drinking with the saints, drinking with Saint Nick, and drinking with your patron saints. What a what a, a great great blessing! So it's good to have uh, drink and food together. Um, so why don't I start with you, uh, Father Leo? What was the inspiration for this book? The inspiration was really the invitation by Regnery to continue the tradition of With the Saints series. I myself was a fan of the Drinking with the Saints series. And so they actually called me wondering if I'd be willing to collaborate. And I said, do I have to work with that Dr. Foley guy? And they said, yes, (laughs) I, I jumped at the opportunity because it's such a great book. And, you know, learning about the saints around something so human like drink and with food. It was just a great honor to partner with him on this. Uh, Michael, can you speak to, obviously, it's no exaggeration to say there's a crisis of faith and a crisis of family. And what what, what are, tell me a little bit about your inspiration and you're saying, I want to jump on board uh, uh, with this book. Well, you know, it started out much more simple. Uh, like Father said, Regnery invited us to team up and I'd long been a fan of Father Leo's, so I was excited. Um, my own motivation was more uh, personal. I figured after writing three books on drinking, I should probably have some <laughs> food to go with it. I, I learned the hard way you shouldn't drink on an empty stomach, so the, the cookbook seemed a natural uh, segue, or, or mm-hmm. sequel rather. But as we got going, I began to realize the supreme importance of the family meal and that the role that this cookbook could play in strengthening, I would say, not only families, but civilization itself. I I came to realize, as Father Leo often puts it, that the family meal isn't just important, it's essential. And so the the book took on a much bigger importance than I initially thought. Yes. I I think it's just interesting using the the liturgical year and really uh, making that a kind of a leaping off point from we can infuse faith with 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 dinners. Uh, tell me about your experience, Father Leo, growing up. In what ways did did your household have celebrations of certain feasts, and and how did you celebrate it? Well, being Filipino, we didn't need a feast day. We just got together <laughs> as a family, and we would eat and drink and sing karaoke, and we didn't watch TV necessarily. We just watched each other. And so <laughs> it's always been a part of our culture, but it was all inspired by saints. And, you know, I've been doing 
this kind of work of trying to bring families around the dinner table for most of my priesthood, but the opportunity to actually bring saints into the mix is mm-hmm. quite unique. I've already done a book on kind of like liturgical celebrations, but never specifically on saints. And so I think the idea of making sure that the saints are a part of your dinner table is what we need to be doing. Because if we aren't willing to eat with holy people, then we might not like heaven. <laughs> That's great. How about uh, uh, Dr. Foley or Michael, what would you say about, um, what was your experience growing up with incorporating liturgical feast or, or some sense of uh, celebration at, um, dinner, at dinner meals? Were there any special like feast days that stood out to you with your family? Well, uh, I have a different ethnic background than Father Leo. Um, my dad was Irish American, and so uh, cooking was not necessarily a priority, which is a good thing. <laughs> you don't you don't necessarily want an Irishman in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> I, I do I do, however, remember family meals with great fondness. Um, they weren't necessarily liturgically oriented. We did have uh, a very uh, standard celebration of St. Patrick's Day. It did involve corned beef and cabbage and watching The Quiet Man starring John Wayne and Marina. Interesting. Yes. That was <laughs> de rigueur, um, that, uh, you know, as, as stable as Christmas itself. Um, but it was later when I had my own family, I got six kids. And we realized very early on that one of the ways to have your children be happy Catholics is to introduce them to the riches of the liturgical year. I'm here in Waco, Texas. It's a predominantly Baptist town. Um, to, to have an interesting year is, is an evangelical advantage. Well, we can just celebrate the, the sacred rhythms of the entire year. It, it just makes our life more joyful. Yeah, and even on a natural level, I, I remember thinking about things like uh, Thanksgiving uh, dinner in, in, in the popular culture. You know, I always cringe when they're like, oh, Thanksgiving, it's Turkey Day. And you're like, it's more than Turkey Day. It's a time of Thanksgiving. And really, every time getting together with the family is a time of Thanksgiving. And, and so that sense of incorporating uh, faith or, or elements of faith, and, and that's what your book does. It gives descriptions of the lives of the saints. It goes through all the liturgical year. And yeah, I, I, I think if I can share with you, just give a witness. Uh, Father Leo, you were the one that started St. Joseph's Dinners especially with priests in the diocese at St. Louis and Clarksville and a group of priests would gather. And I'll tell you, not only do I never forget it, St. Joseph is chaste father. And so that sense of priest gathering, but the fact that you sacrificed your time and used your gifts and did it with others, with a, a couple other priests and, and uh, Monsignor Luca would host it. It's memorable. It's, it stands out to me of saying like one day a year is always in my mind of saying, Let's get priests together because you did that. Can you speak about specifically your inspiration of something taken like a day like St. Joseph and you making that special for priests and how families uh, could do things like that? Well, it, it really started having my training in seminary in Italy, as well as my culinary background, studying culinary at the Cordon Bleu in Perugia, and just seeing how for Italians, food is like a full contact sport. And more importantly, these days was this opportunity for an arena to have everyone show off as to like the recipes. And you know who benefited from that? We did (laughs) because it provided that opportunity 
to remind us that we are supposed to become saints too. And what do saints do? They feed each other. They bring each other together in conviviality. They allow people to um, to be served and to become a servant as you're kind of doing this. And really, it's, it's ultimately about loving each other. And so the great tradition of the Catholic Church is, while we have disciplines in fasting, there are only two days when it's technically required. We have Fridays of abstention, but there are more feast days than fast days, which is why it's always surprising to me when people think that the Catholic Church is boring. If it weren't for our feast days, our world would be boring and our economy would tank. <laughs> and I love that image. Um, and Michael, maybe you can speak to it. The idea is that, I mean, every Sunday is a celebration, celebration of the risen Lord. There's a, a movement I know with uh, a number of groups and, uh, and, and your group as well with kind of take back Sunday. Let's take back Sunday and live it in a way where, whether it's for the family getting together or family and friends getting together and uh, that gift of hospitality to others. Uh, can you speak to that of the importance of, of celebrating Sunday well? Yeah, that is a theme that is dear to my heart. I've uh, written about this in the past. It actually speaks very well or connects very well with the idea of a family meal. One of the things we've lost in modernity, in addition to the family meal, is a sense of leisure. And the family meal could be the one opportunity in the evening where the family gets together and experiences le true leisure, which is not just the absence of work, but, uh, but a time of contemplation and enjoyment. And Sunday is supposed to be a day of leisure. Uh, in one of the best homilies I ever heard, a dear priest friend of mine said that, please take Sunday seriously because it's God's gift to you. Whether you be rich or poor, slave or free, Sunday was God's gift to every human being. You get the day off, enjoy it. And it's so hard for me as, as a busy modern to actually do that. I, I sometimes bristle at being leisurely, but that speaks to the depravity of my soul. I need to change that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we work for the sake of leisure, not vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so the family meal is that and the Sunday day is that as well. And that's one of the, that's one of the unique gifts of, of Sunday is it's a day for the Lord, but it's a day for family. It's like putting things back in its proper place on one day where avoid unnecessary work as best, you know, as, as best as possible, but that God first family, that faith matters. And then the fact that you can, in a Sunday dinner table, even read something about a saint that might be connected to the meal. Well, we were blessed to have um, Father Leo Padalinghug with us, uh, Dr. Michael uh, Foley, what a great blessing. And in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about specific feasts and ways to celebrate them and talk a little bit more details about uh, their book that came out, Dining with the Saints, The Sinner's Guide to a Righteous Feast. So we'll be back in a brief moment. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The canonization cause of Mother Mary Lang, founder of the world's first sustained women's religious community for black women, has taken a step forward. Sister Michelle Proctor, Superior General of the Baltimore-based Oblate Sisters of Providence, said her religious community received a February 27th email from the Holy See informing the sisters that the Positio, the documentation on the life of Mother Mary Lang, which includes both the theological and historical record of her life, has been approved by the Vatican. 
Sister Rena Michelle made the announcement March 5th at her religious community's mother house in Arbutus during the annual conferral of the Mother Lang Awards, honoring local Catholics active in the black Catholic community. More than 300 people broke into applause and cheers at the news. Quote, I don't want you to go and say Sister Rena Michelle has gone and proclaimed Mother Lang a saint, Sister Rena Michelle said, noting that the sisters have long considered their religious community's founder a saint in their hearts. Mother Lang established St. Francis Academy in Baltimore in 1828 to educate black children in the era of slavery. Sister Rita Michelle said that Mother Lang's positio will go to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints for review. She went on to say, once they have concluded the review, it will be sent to Pope Francis and he will declare Mother Mary Lang venerable. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. A summer camp when she was 17 awakened in Maria Weimer the values that would come to define her life. She is a protector, a defender, and a believer, and her future would be with the U.S. Navy. Weimer grew up Catholic in a military family in Somerset, Pennsylvania, and when she served as a companion to a severely autistic woman at the Camp for Adults with Special Needs in her hometown, she discovered what was always in her heart. Quote, I saw someone completely vulnerable and completely helpless, who would never have the ability to defend herself, said Weimer, now a 23-year-old midshipman first class at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. I remember thinking to myself, what is the best way I can impact lives? The military was the obvious answer. Weimer joins a growing legion of women serving in the armed forces, including the Naval Academy, when in 1990, just 98 women graduated. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media... I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review uh, Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Father Leo Padalinghug and Dr. Michael uh, Foley. Uh, They're here with their uh, talking about their new book, Dining with the Saints, A Sinner's Guide to a Righteous Feast. And uh, welcome back to the two of you. So it's just fascinating of thinking about bringing the family together around food and being creative that you can, these, the sense of you speak about faith-infused meals. Uh, are there any, as you were doing this book, any saint feast that stood out to you that says, you know, I, I really like to start more of an annual tradition around these saints uh, in writing the book? Father Leo. Well, for me, I, I just found it incredibly interesting, not only to read, the research that Dr. Foley put together, finding some incredibly interesting insight, but trying to research also what foods were surrounded around their cult. And also, if they didn't have it, then looking at their their milieu, their environment, and trying to discern what would this person have eaten. And it, it was kind of fascinating to know that St. Francis of Assisi, for example, I mean, if he's not a popular saint, I don't know who you are. I mean, I mean, even Protestants have statues of him in their gardens. So the idea of having St. Francis of Assisi liking sweet almond cookies, this was a, a fun one. I didn't know this, but Holy <laughs> can talk about how he had this, this penchant for this almond cookie. And I just took it to another level and I took this almond cookie recipe and I dropped a little bit of Nutella in it. Why not be great <laughs> who was so, so strong in his, in his, um, in his personal self-afflictions. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Michael, how about yourself? Any ones that stood out to you that said, wow, I really want to have an annual feast from your research to said, that's a great idea to make a, a, a big deal of um, in this coming year. Well, I can't be, for- certain but i think i'm going to try this tomorrow 
father provided an outstanding recipe for St. Thomas Aquinas that mm-hmm. combines St. Thomas's interesting association with fish on his deathbed and with his vision that all that he wrote was as straw. Mm-hmm. And Father Leo can explain the, the title and pronounce it better than I, but it's a fish and pasta dish, which uh, I'm going to make for my family for uh, Friday dinner. It's called paliafiena, which means straw and hay, because, you know, Dr. Foley and I know that his Summa Theologica was a masterpiece, but in his humility, he called it straw. It was nothing but straw and hay. So we simply took the paliafiena pasta, which is green and white, and we combined it with a fish dish. And so it's uh, his tradition and his love for his food. Throw it all together. And who doesn't like a little pasta? And it's... <laughs> And you can cook this for a Friday in the Lenten season. It will be totally approved, even if it's not necessarily penitential. Mm-hmm. And and I, I was reading uh, several of the uh, the uh, the feast days, and you had uh, a special thing for Saint Catherine Drexel, who was the millionaires who spent her life working with uh, African American and Native American um, those uh, amongst uh, uh, the poor. And you and you had. For the feast of Saint Catherine Drexel, Native American fry bread, and I mean, and March third typically also is connected to Lent. So you can even talk about you could share with your family the importance of thinking about others, especially uh, those in need amongst the poor, and uh, and that would be the poor of of any race and any ethnicity. Uh, about the need of, if you remember the story of Catherine Drexel, her story was, she said, "Holy Father, we need to do something," and he said, "Well, why don't you do something?" Correct. To say we should we, we shouldn't give it off to, uh, to others. And he thoughts about something uh, of of that of Catherine Drexel and and uh, yes. Well, just as a small side note, Father, I I learned uh, what Ca- Saint Catherine Drexel learned the hard way in a department meeting. You know, when when you make a <laughs> when you make a suggestion, the department needs to do this, and and my chair said, "Great, you are now the chair of this this activity. Congratulations!" <laughs> so I. I've never made a suggestion for improving our department since. <laughs> what about, I, I know you spoke of St. Catherine of Siena, uh, who would bake bread for the poor. And, and can you speak of your recipe? It was pica pasta with pumpkin and spicy sauce. What, what, what drew you in, and speak more about uh, why that would fit with St. Catherine of Siena's feast day? Because she had a, a sweet side to her, but she also had a very spicy side to her. And actually, this was inspired by my actual visit for my own TV show, which is Savoring Our Faith, we went to Siena. And so learning more about her personality, she combined the sweetness with the spiciness. And the pici pasta is actually the traditional pasta that is used in Siena, which is a very, it's a duro, it's a, it's a tough pasta, and it requires time, and it requires a lot of cooking and manipulation and infusing flavor, and it really spoke about her personality. She was tough, she was sweet, she was spicy, she was definitely a traditional local Sienese woman, but, you know, pasta, it's international, and her life and what she did for the Holy Father had international, gosh, uh, effect. So we felt that the pasta like this, which is doable, easy, savory, you you know, you can eat this in memory of her. 
And Michael, I remember one of the feast days at the end of July is the Feast of St. Anne and, and Joachim, where this Pope Francis is called to celebrate uh, grandparents and, and our elders, older persons. And so the sense of really honoring St. Anne and talking about the dignity and gift of grandparents, and it talked about a kiwi and strawberry uh, pastry. Uh, can you speak to the importance of both food and maybe even celebrating having a day where we really acknowledge the gift of grandparents in families? It's absolutely important. It's probably harder to do these days because grandparents don't often live in proximity uh, with the rest of the family. But you know, any any opportunity to acknowledge one's grandparents is a is a is a good thing. There actually are. Um, more than just the feast of Saint Anne and Joachim, but there are a number of Christmas traditions that honor your grandparents as well, um, and Easter traditions. There is um, the Emmaus walk uh, on Easter Monday in French Canada. I know it was the tradition. This was the the day that the Gospel of the Disciples of Emmaus was read, and in honor of that walk, you would you would walk to your grandparents' house and greet them and thank them. I also thought that was a beautiful tradition, although how many of us are are within walking distance of our grandparents? We have these uh, end of the chapters. We have these kind of pastoral takeaways, which are food for thoughts. And and what we want to try to do is make sure that the recipe and the story doesn't just fall on deaf ears, but they're actually something we can think about to change us. And, and I believe in the research, the colors red and green were evocative of Anna and Joachim. So it was kind of a, a beautiful nod to who they were represented in a color pattern. And then, of course, doing something sweet for them, because that's what grandparents do. They are, they are sweetness for the family. Mm-hmm. Well, Leo, tell me about, there's a couple of feasts on the, there's the Archangel's Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael, and also the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Uh, what are some ways to celebrate uh, those feast days? Oh, gosh. You eat, number one. But uh, <laughs> secondly, to understand that the word angel from its Greek origin just means someone who brings news. And I think what we have to do is ask young people, what are the new- what's the news that influences you, especially in today's world where news has not become news, but it's a form of entertainment and mind control? We have to ask them about these things and then challenge them with the question, what kind of news do people hear from you when they see you? Are they filled with good things or are they just like, oh, gosh, here he is again? And one of the best ways to have that conversation is with those suggested recipes. Mm-hmm. I also saw in your uh, in the in the book it had a celebration of Saint Mary Magdalene. Obviously, Pope Francis raised her uh, feast day from a memorial to a feast, a celebration, and sometimes she's seen as the the penitent one. But she was also the one who loved much and the first to the tomb. So she's the uh, apostle to the apostles. Uh, can you speak about uh, just the dignity of taking saints like that and really celebrating? Uh, the uniqueness of how the church celebrates to celebrate uh, someone uh, like Mary Magdalene and, and others. Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, for one thing, Father, I hope there's no contradiction between being penitent and loving much. Because there, <laughs> there isn't much hope for me if that's the case. So, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, it, gosh, Mary Magdalene is just such a wonderful figure to, uh, to contemplate and to, and to pray to. Um, she is such a model of of repentance, but 
unapologetic love. And Father uh, Father Leo made a brilliant recipe suggestion, uh, finding an old tradition, uh, somewhat risque tradition, but alluding to uh, Mary Magdalene's alleged former occupation before her conversion. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll let Father Leo speak to that more. He's he's blushing. You can't see this, of course, but uh... <laughs> it's, uh, it's called pasta puttanesca, which is basically a ladies of the night pasta, which is incredibly delicious. But it kind of makes this reference to what she was allegedly involved in. But also to know that our job is never to judge, but also to uh, but to love, because that's ultimately what people are looking for. And if you want to love someone, touch their hearts and minds by going through their stomachs. Wonderful. And I, I remember just looking through on the Feast of Benedict, do Italian eggs Benedictus, you know, or, or, or Benedict. That was just wonderful. And a, and a, a potato meal for St. John Vianney, who was known for simplicity, St. Joan of Arc, French onion soup. And I liked how St. Basil was turkey basil cutlets. Just all of those delightful, uh, these and, and others are just such a delight. W where can people find your, uh, uh, be able to purchase your book? Everywhere. So Amazon, they can go to their local bookstores. Uh, Michael has it on his Facebook pages and then also on my website at platinggrace.com. Uh, just to make the pitch too, uh, Leo, uh, the next book could include Suds and Saints, How Cleaning Up After Meals Brings Family Together. I always like to make the pitch. What about the after the meal? What about after the meal? Well, it is a blessing having uh, the two of you to really talk about this new book. I hope uh, people uh, take a look at it and, in fact, uh, uh, purchase it for their families and, and to really in, in, infuse faith and, um, and, and family together. So thank you for coming, Father Leo Pedalinghug and uh, Dr. Michael Foley. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Wonderful. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. Uh, may God bless you. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.